Father, we empty ourselves at this time. We bow down before your throne and we worship you and praise you, Father. And we've, we've sang these songs of praise and worship. And now we prepare to open up your holy and divine word. And Father, we've been showing how that there is nothing more important than the word of God in our lives. May our eyes, our ears, our minds, our hearts be open to your word. May we be subject to it. May we understand your will for our life in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 2, if you want to turn there to follow along with me again. This hopefully will be the last time we're in chapter 2 and we're going to move on to chapter 3 as we uh, prepare to see the rest of the seven churches of Asia that Paul wrote to, which is also to us because each one of them says, if you have an ear to hear, Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church is. And that's a part of us. And there's the future of our church walking through right there. And I I love to see that each week. The future is right there. Pray for those little ones this week. Pray that they continue to be in the Lord. Because it's tough these days for young ones to maintain faith in this life. Last week, we began talking about end times. The order of things and how things are going to go. And I knew that several were not able to make it because of the weather. So for those of you who missed it, you didn't miss a lot because we're going to go over that again in some form and fashion right now. But also we've got some new stuff added. But if we were here last week, then know that repetition is how we learn. And we always have new things revealed and new angles given. So I pray that our ears and our minds are open as we go through this today. The order of things and the idea of what's going to take place. And and we're going to hit some new material. But if you're there with me, our text from Revelation chapter 2, let's begin in verse 25. It says, Our Lord saying to the church at Thyatira, Hold fast to what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end... To him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and they shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. I also have received from the Father, and I give you the faithful, the morning star. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Wow. Before I get into what I wrote, I was meditating this morning, and I got a bunch of little chicken tracks right here that I want to share with you. I want to talk about the parentheses for a minute. If you look at the end of verse 26, it says, To the one who overcomes and continues in my works, I am going to give you power over the nations. The next verse, 27, is like a parentheses. It's explaining to the folks what this is referring to, which is Psalm chapter 2. This is a quotation from Psalm chapter 2. And it is really talking about the, the kingdom to come at the end of this time that we have right now going on with the church activity. Next, there, the Lord will come to, to receive his inheritance. And it says that he is going to rule them with the rod of iron. But it says... I will give to you power over the nations and then down to verse to the end of that verse as I have also received it from my father as an inheritance 
I am sharing it with you than this power to rule over the nations. And it says that he's going to rule them with the rod of iron and that they shall be dashed to pieces. You know, I was thinking about that and this rod of iron and that ruling that's going to happen and how that, if you look through the Old Testament, you don't find any prisons. Now, there were cities of refuge, but that was for those who had committed like somebody had died, but it was by accident. And so that those who were the next of kin did not come and to kill them, they would run to a city of refuge and plead the case. But in anything else, they didn't have prisons. You know why? Because they handled everything in relationship to how bad it was. There was eye for eye, tooth for tooth, life for life. And those that committed heinous crimes may be taken outside the village and everyone would cast a stone. And you know why? That's an example so that you do not want to commit a crime. And so crime was very low because they knew that punishment would be carried out. You get in a society like we have today to where they make some good laws, but they are not carried out properly and people get put right back out on the street with a slap of the hand and then you have rampant crime. So, when the Lord comes to rule over His kingdom again, it says that He is going to rule them with a rod of iron. And He's talking about capital punishment. Just like in Romans where it says that those that have been placed over you, the Lord has placed them, and they wield not the sword in vain, that it is through His will. If we would follow that will, we would not have the crime. And it says, they will be dashed like the potter's vessels. And you know, that's referring back to Romans chapter 9 because all of us should be moldable clay. All of us are pottery vessels for the Lord. And we're supposed to be on His wheel and He is supposed to be molding and shaping us all the time through His Word and through His will so that we are pliable and workable. But when we become hardened, when that pottery becomes stiff and it becomes vain and is not able to be worked with once you've become dried and hardened, then it is good for nothing. If you have become at the end dried and hardened and not moldable to the work that the Lord would have you to do, he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to break you and shatter you with the rod of iron. I double-bagged that. I see everybody. Yeah, a couple pieces did come out. I will clean that up, Brenda. <laughs> Sue told me not to do that. But that's, that's what we all are as potter vessels. And we need to make, remain pliable and moldable because the Lord has given a promise here. This, this is in an indicative mood as a reality. That this is going to happen to those who do not remain pliable. So we're going to talk about the order of things. And I hope that your mind will be open to these things. Because it's all from the word of God. And we're going to talk about when the church is going to be raptured out of this lifestyle. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 18. 13 through 18 it says. I don't want you to be ignorant brethren. Concerning those who have fallen asleep. Unless you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God is going to bring with Him those of us who sleep 
in Jesus Christ. So this is all about believers here in this passage. And this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that those who are alive and remain until the coming of our Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. Yeah. That's why I asked him to bring the trumpet today. And that's why we had the call to order. This is scriptural. On that day, you will hear a shout and a voice. And that trump is going to sound. And it's going to be coming of Jesus Christ. And then he says, Then we that are alive, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we always be with the Lord, and therefore comfort one another with these words. This is addressed to the church. This is addressed to us as the order of things. Here's the first thing. There's going to be a shout from the Lord himself. He's going to give the archangel to shout a command to come. The trumpet of God will sound And this is going to take place and the dead in Christ are going to start to rise. Then we that are alive and that we're remaining at the time that this happens, we are caught up. That word there is for the word harpazo, the rapture that is going to take place. It was used by Jesus whenever he talked in John chapter 10. And he said that the devil wants to try to steal you away from me, but... He cannot because I have you in my hands and no one can take you out of my hands. And he says, my father has you in my hands and no one can catch or snatch you away. And that is the same word. It's snatch means to be raptured and to be pulled out by power and authority as one who is taking his bounty and taking his reward. Jesus' reward is his bride. And it's his earth. And he is coming to take that. And until that point, the Father and the Son has the hands clasped around us. And no one can do that until this point. And then with us in his hand, he pulls us unto himself. And we rise to be with him. And then what happens next? Then, as this is taking place, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 50 kicks in. Then this starts to happen. And this I say, brethren, flesh and blood, this body that we have right now, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We're not all going to sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And when that last trumpet calls, so this is right as it's happening, the trumpet will sound the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, this corruption must put on incorruption. This mortality will put on immortality. So when this corruption has put on incorruption and this mortality, immortality, then will be brought to pass. The saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, Where is thy sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. 
the strength of sin was through the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Isn't that what the word that we've been seeing in each one of these? The victor to the overcomer, to the nakao, to the one who has overcome through Jesus Christ. The victory is through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the Lord returning for his bride, the church. He shouts. The archangel gives the command to the rest of them. The trumpet sounds. And then this passage says that as we are being caught up, our body is changed to immortality. What happens next? Then we see Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 through 11. The next step is that God has also highly exalted His Son, Jesus Christ. And He gave Him a name. What have we been studying about? What happened in our last church? Wasn't there a new name given to us on a white stone? Those that were here received a white stone. And we talked about a new name that we were going to be given. The Son also received a new name. And He's been given, we're going to see He's got three or four names to here today. This one here, it says he was given the name that's above every other name that is out there. That those on earth who are under the earth and in heaven, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And we're going to meet and raise him in the air. Those that had a white stone is going to be there first at this place. We're going to be before as the bride before what's called the Bema Seat in the original language. It's, it's the judgment seat of our Lord. This is not the great white throne judgment. We're going to get to that at the end of the lesson. That's for those who are outside of Christ. This is for those who are inside of Christ first. What's going to happen? Second Corinthians 5.10 We will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done. Whether good or bad. Those in this life. Your works. Your service. Remember what it just said at the beginning of this. If you hold my works. If you continue in that faith. And that justice. And, and the works. And the service of me. Then you're going to be give, given some rewards. 1 Corinthians 3. 11 through 15. Says it like this. As we stand before that beam of seat. And we bow before his throne. It says, no other foundation can be laid than that which has already been laid, that is Jesus Christ. And if anyone builds on this foundation, that's our works of service. If you do it in the Spirit of God and with His will, it says that those works are gold, silver, and precious stones. But then we have wood, hay, and stubble, and straw that is kind of our own desires that's mixed in there. What's going to happen is we will all be standing there before that. And it, it will become clear because that day is going to declare it. And it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one of us. This is not eternal fire judgment. This is the purification process of the bride as we are preparing to meet him. And it says that it's going to be revealed by fire to test the works that we have done in this life and what sort it was. And if anyone's work was built upon the works in Jesus Christ, it endures. It is that which actually can test be tested and purified by fire, which is gold, silver, and precious stones. But if it was not, then it will be burned as the wood, hay, and the stubble. And you will suffer the loss of all of those things that you did in your own fleshly, vile ways, which I'm sure there's going to be a big bonfire on my part. But 
It says it's for good though because he himself will be saved yet as though through this fire. Then when our old life has been tested through the fire and the glorious deeds remain, then becomes the award ceremony. We're going to see more of that as we get into chapter 4 and chapter 5. But now turn with me if you've got your Bibles to Revelation 19. To Revelation 19. There's a celebration that's about ready to happen now that all of these things have taken place up to this point. We get there and it says as it begins that the great whore has been cast down along with the two witnesses of Satan that was going about deceiving the folks. And then it says that the angels and the saints are gathered around the throne of God and they're rejoicing and they're shouting, Alleluia, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. And then we take up the reading right there in chapter 19 and verse 6, if you're with me. And I heard, as it were, the voice of the great multitude, as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thunderings. That's a great multitude that's getting ready to praise God. They're shouting, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then He said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And now comes that moment that has been, we've been making ourselves all ready for throughout this time. We've been changed. The trump has sounded and we've arisen and our bodies have been changed in that moment in the twinkling of an eye and we've been put into immortality. We've been tested by the fire and now we've been made ready. The bride has been purified and made ready to be before the Lord and then you're, the white stones that we studied about that gives us entrance into that feast, the victory feast, that's going to happen of the bride and the lamb of the marriage ceremony. Then, when we go into that banquet that's been made ready, we get fine white linen, the uniform of the morning star. For you see, when Jesus, we're going to have it as our bottom slide, but I'll tell you now that when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, it was revealed a little bit of that glory. And Peter says, that we saw His glory on the mount as He was transfigured around us. And we saw that glory that God gave to Him. And this is the glory then, and that linen and the bright. When it talks about the bright white here, it is almost translucent white like these lights that we put in here. It's a very bright light. That's our uniform of the morning star, the order that we're going to have. It's the word lampros, and it means magnificent and splendid. Strong's Concordance says this word definition is this. It is the unique glorification of each believer as he is awarded by Christ at his return. It is our glorification to be with him in his royal army. And you say, how do you know that? Well, let's keep reading. Let's go on to verse 11 of chapter 19. And it says, I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him is called faithful and true. There's another name of our Savior. 
And in righteousness he judges and makes war. Here's our ref- one of our references to Psalm 2 and smashing of the, of the jar. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head is many crowns. He has another name written that no one knows except himself. Isn't that what it said on our stone that we get? We get a name that no one knows except us when we get it. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. He means business. And his name is called the Word of God. And I've been telling you that there's nothing more important than the Word of God. And you're seeing right here that He is the Word of God. And the Bible is His mind. It is everything that He stands for and what He thinks of. And He is coming back as the Word of God. And then it says this. The armies in heaven. So now His army is gathered with Him to get ready to come back. What are they clothed with? Fine linen. White and clean. Who is that? Didn't we just read that? What we just got at that marriage supper? We got clothed with new fine linen, bright and clean. So that was the order of the morning star. The brightness of that early morning light that's going to hit is the brightness that we wear. We was awarded that for being faithful and holding on and we receive that now. And then it says, The armies clothed in this followed him on white horses. And out of his mouth goes the sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with the rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty God. Because this is coming on those that was left behind that were not faithful to him in this life. And it says that he treads the winepress of the wrath of God. And on his robe and on his thigh is another name. Written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Folks, Jesus Christ is the word of God. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And he is going to come back again with his bride, with us, dressed in that fine white linen to come and to reclaim this world. Those who had the white stone and was in that marriage consummation with him, we get that royal order of the morning star to follow him that was faithful and we ride upon the white horses in our attire as our leader and we follow him but we don't have to do anything he takes care of it all himself he takes care of it and remember our passage of revelation two twenty seven. we read as we started he will rule them with the rod of iron and dash to pieces like the potter's vessel now he takes the rulership and we are with him beside the king of kings and the lord of lords and this is when as it was promised in Revelation 2, that we also receive, as he received power from the Father, he also gives it to us, along with the morning star. And the description of everything here is straight out of Revelation chapter 2 that we've studied up to this point. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this chapter 19 ends with the two beasts and those things being thrown into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, They are, the rest are killed, it says, with the sword that proceeds out of the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ that sets upon the horse, and all the birds of the air shall fill themselves with their flesh. And then as Bob Seger used to say in my day, turn the page. Revelation chapter 20. That was the end of 19, and then we see 20. What happens after all of that takes place? 
chapter 20 and verse 1. And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. And he bound him for a thousand years. And then he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. And he set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more until the thousand years are finished. But after that, he will be loosed for for a little while. And this is the point to where he is bound for the thousand years. We reign with the inheritance with Jesus Christ. The text in Revelation 2 says, As I received, so I also give to you. That is the time that the Bible will talk about when the wolf lies down with the lamb and the nursing child can play with the vipers. For those of you who are Bereans and want two more chapters, Isaiah 11, Isaiah 35 talks about these things. The desert will bloom like a rose. And then we continue in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4 with this. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God. Those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They, now get this, they lived and reigned with Christ for the thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live until the thousand years were finished. And this is the first resurrection. Now, I want you to take a look at the three promises of those who are going to be part of the first resurrection. It says, over such, promise number one, the second death has no power. Amen. Do you know what? That's the fulfillment to Smyrna that we've already studied, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. I'll remind you of what that said. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. So there's promise number one to the overcomer. You're not hurt by the second death. Promise two, they shall be priests of God and of Christ. That was the beginning of Revelation chapter 1 verses 5 and 6 which said that this letter is from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made you and I to be kings and priests to God his Father. To him be glory, dominion, and honor forever and ever. Amen. We are a kingdom of kings and priests. And this is being fulfilled right here in Revelation 20. And then it says, promise number three, They shall reign with him for the thousand years. That's the promise of what we are just seeing in chapter 2 and verses 27, 28. In that he, as he received power and authority, he is also going to share that with us. That's a promise. Those are in um, indicative moods as a reality. It will happen. Then, as that fulfillment is, he gives to you and I, the morning star, that brightness of glory and honor of being an overcomer in his army. Blessed and holy, it says, is he that has part in this first resurrection. 
Over those, the second death has no power, and we will be priests of God and of Christ and reign with Him a thousand years. Promises to the overcomers, to those who believe, who overcome through Christ our Lord and continue on in faithfulness to the end. How is all of this not a motivation to us to want to walk in Christ and to be in Christ and to continue to be faithful in his deeds. Well, if not, I'll give you another one. Let's keep on reading. Revelation chapter 20, verses 10 through 15 is going to describe the second death for those who are not in Christ Jesus. For those who rebel against God and his son and his word, who do not humble themselves into submission in this life, They will face the second death in the afterlife. Do you realize that you will face two deaths? Long ago, I I told you about how we have two lives. There's a physical life and a spiritual life. And how that when God told Adam and Eve that in the day ye eat of that fruit, ye shall surely die, that the word for surely is death, and then die is death, and it was two deaths because one was spiritual that took place immediately, and the other was physical, that didn't happen for another 900 years. It began the process at that day, but otherwise God was a liar when he said, in the day you eat of it, you would surely die. It is referring to two deaths I had told you about, and we have two lives. We have a spiritual life, and you have a physical body life. In this life, you you are born into the first life. And that's going to be the first death of physical death. But you also have the ability, as John records Jesus telling Nicodemus in chapter 3, you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And if you are born again into that spiritual life, and you are buried with Christ, as it says in Romans chapter 6, you are buried into his death that likewise as you are raised up from that water by the glory of the father even so you now walk in a newness of life you are no longer who you were you are a new creature a new creation and you died to this life and to this world when you was immersed that's your second death if you're a christian on such the other second death has no no bounds on you because you already died twice and you died to this life and you lived to serve him if you do not make that decision my friends then there will be a spiritual death that comes after that because you do die twice we died to it hopefully in this life but read with me the next set of verses beginning in chapter or chapter 20 verse 10 the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where his beast and false prophet are. They will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Then I saw the great white throne, and this is what I was talking about with those who are not in Christ Jesus. We've already faced ours as we studied those scriptures. Here comes another one. And this is the great white throne judgment, and him that sat upon it, and the rest of the people, when this happens, what do they try to do? They try to flee from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. What happened to Adam and Eve when they faced spiritual death in the garden? And the Lord came to walk through it again that day. And you remember they started hiding. They fled behind. And the Lord said, 
Where are you? I know where you are. You might as well come out. They had fled because they were in spiritual death. Now they had fallen and taken that first one. Those who are not in Christ Jesus throughout this passage, I've underlined it there three times, are considered already dead. So it says that the one who sits on the great white throne, whose face heaven and earth flee away from, there was found though no place for them to hide. And I saw the dead, those who were not in Christ Jesus and made alive. I saw them small and great standing before God and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. That's those who are written in with Christ Jesus. The dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in their books. The sea gave up who? The dead. We've already risen with him, remember? Went the trump of God and we was already taken. But now the dead are coming from the sea, from death and Hades, delivering up the dead that were in them. And the dead were judged, each one according to their works. And you know why? Because if you gave your life to Christ Jesus and died to this life, you stand before God in that first resurrection on the merits of Christ and not on your works. Because your life, it says, is hid in Christ Jesus. And his blood from the cross covered your sins. But if you do not accept God's gift of salvation, then what you have to do in the last day is stand upon your works. Because basically what you said in this life was that I trust what I can do more than obeying your son. And so now he looks at the book of life. Your name is not written there if you are not in Christ Jesus. So he has to go now to the book of your life and to begin judging you from what you've done in this life. And it says, they were judged, each one, according to their works. Death and Hades, those who were not in Christ, were cast into the lake of fire along with the devil and his angels and his servants. This is the second death. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You're in one of two boats. And that is it, folks. You are either in Christ or you are not in Christ. And this is the design that we have seen from the word of God of what will happen in those steps for eternity. And I don't know about you, but I want to be in Christ. I want to be in the book of life. I do not want to be judged according to my works. That would not be a very good thing. So as our worship team goes ahead and returns back on up, I hope this has helped you to understand the order of things, but also the importance of things. This isn't a joke. Everything written here is written as a promise written as something that shall take place, it will come to pass. We've covered it not in depth because that would take us hours. But the church is designed by God to be the classroom to where we learn of these things. Peter, as he said, as I promised you at the end, that we would go to the next slide. Peter said in Second Peter 1, 16 through 19, he said, that the time of my departure is at hand, 
I must shortly put off this tent, this body that the Lord has given me. But before I go, I want to remind you guys of something. We are not following cunningly devised fables when he made known to us the power of his resurrection. But we were eyewitnesses of the majesty of Christ. He received glory from God the Father and honor when that voice from the most excellent glory said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. We heard the voice from heaven when we were with him on that holy mountain, the mountain of transfiguration, when he turned into that brightness in that glory. He said, We were there and saw it. And you have this prophetic word confirmed, which all of us do well to heed. As in this life, a light that shines in a dark place, so we are already shining as a light for Christ in this life. But when the day dawns, verse 19 says, the morning star, Christ Jesus and his glory, will arise in our hearts and we will receive that robe of brightness. The morning star and the excellent glory we will inherit with him. He said, hold fast to what you have until I come and I will award you with these things. It's a promise. The right to receive a crown, to receive manna, to eat in that garden of God with him, to be awarded the white stone to go to the banquet of victory and then receive our garment of white to come back with him on that horse as his army. These are promises to those who are in Christ and remain faithful to him. Brothers and sisters, I pray that each and every one of us will remain faithful. That we will first be in Christ and then that we remain faithful so that we receive these promises and these blessings. If all of this don't motivate us, I don't know what does. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the magnitude of your word as you've placed it before us and before our hearts. May your Holy Spirit challenge us, Father, to understand it and accept it. And may you and your power and your word and your spirit provide us with the strength and the courage that we need, Father, each and every day to face the enemy in this battle so that we can return with you as your army in the next. And we thank you for your help and for your son, Jesus, and his blood. In his name we pray. Amen.